0: Welcome to On The Record, a guide to English law, the legal podcast brought to you by Glazier Solicitors. Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening today. I'm Bethany, the firm's marketing and business development manager, and I'm really pleased to be here with Chris Burrows. Uh, He is partner and head of our private client department. Hello, Chris.
1: Hi, Bethany. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. Thank you. How are
1: you? Yeah, good. Thank you.
0: Before we get onto our topic for today, did you want to just introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yes. So I head up the private client team at Glaziers and we deal with helping people to manage their financial affairs uh, and to plan ahead as to how their assets are going to be passed on. So we deal with planning through wills, powers of attorney and gifting to make sure that assets will be passed on in the future. Or if you can't make decisions for yourself, that you've got arrangements in place for someone to do that for you. We help clients to set up trusts so that assets from the family can be managed for everyone's benefit and in a tax-efficient way. And then in the event of a death, we help deal with the probate and the estate administration process
0: to pass those assets on. Yes, so a lot of work there, a lot of different bases that you cover. As a nonsolist to myself, I've always looked at it as uh, planning for the unknown and making sure that everything is set up. So for somebody like me, would you say that's, an accurate way of looking at the things that you do obviously there's a lot more to it but
1: no absolutely um we we essentially have three functions we're helping people to plan ahead to look at how the assets will be passed on or how decisions will be made Um, also to protect those assets so what kind of structure they have in place whether it's owned individually whether it's owned by people together whether there's some sort of legal structure such as a company or a trust that owns those assets and then ultimately how they want to pass them on either in lifetime or in the event of a death so it's that sort of planning and preparation and then then uh, ultimately handing it over that, that we come in at all of those different stages.
0: Well you bring up a really interesting point and I think that leads us very nicely into our topic today uh, because we will be discussing common reasons why business owners don't make wills um, and I think it. You know a lot of people don't really think about the fact that you can sort of plan for your life maybe but there's what as a business owner there's other bits that you have to think about as well i know you and i have discussed this a number of times but there are a couple of different reasons that we see many of our clients don't really think about when it comes to making wills Um, and i think you'll agree that probably the biggest one Uh, that we see is that people don't really think about their own deaths you know saying that out loud and thinking about it it's very difficult to think oh gosh what you know what are you going to do so what sort of things do you see when when people have that sort of mindset
1: Well, it's certainly not uncommon for people to not want to think about their own death. It's not the lightest of topics to discuss. And depending on personal circumstances, it can bring a lot of difficulties or there might be issues within the family that you don't really want to to have to try and address. It's absolutely understandable that people don't want to sit down and and have an in-depth conversation. But really, it's just sensible planning. You take out insurance for your car. That's a risk that you hope not to have to really think about. As a business owner, you look at contingency planning for what happens in your business. You have a five-year, 10-year plan as to what you want to achieve, what you want to do. A will should really just be the same kind of planning for everyone. It's looking ahead to the medium to long term as to how your assets are going to be passed on. If the worst does happen, everyone hopes that it's not going to be relied on. But really, it's a case of once you've had the conversation once and got it out of the way and you've bitten the bullet and had that awkward chat saying, I know it's going to happen someday. What do I want to happen? People actually get into the habit of it. And every three years, five years, they dust the will off, even if it's just over a cup of tea at home, checking that it's still doing what they want it to do. But if there've been changes in the tax regime in the meantime, or if there's changes in the family, that's when they think, oh, actually, I need to Tweak this, Or I don't like that person anymore or the kids are now grown up. We don't need guardians. So it becomes a habit really keeping on top of it and, and making sure that it's uh, it's in place. But doing it the first time is definitely the most daunting prospect for clients because they think it's going to be a depressing conversation. And actually, I hope it's not because you should come away from the will-making process thinking, great, I've got the peace of mind that I know exactly what's going to happen now and I know what risks there are in my estate or for my family. And I've done absolutely everything I can to try and address those risks.
0: When you say it sort of becomes a habit, is there a business activity that that reminds people? Or is there something that they could maybe attach a reminder to so that the habit is locked in and is part of the planning process?
1: Well, there'd certainly be no harm in terms of making it Part of your your own checklist when you're doing your tax return or when your accountant's doing that for you, if you're gathering together bank statements or financial details from the company, if you have your own list of the things that you normally need, just stick review the will on the end of that list. And it might not need a detailed review every year, but it'll sit there as a little reminder for you. You could set a reminder on your phone or business calendar. You can go a a very long time into the future in terms of those. So set a reminder on an annual basis or every few years or something like that. It's uh, even just write it on the bottom of the calendar in the kitchen at the the end of the year. Just uh, a little note to yourself, same as you do for your MOT.
0: One question, and it sort of strays a little bit away from the idea that we are currently discussing. But are there business implications uh, when it comes to wills, you know, if you own your own business or so are there parts of that that if the worst was to happen, that could impact the business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it depends on the structure of the business and uh, how it's been set up in terms of in terms of who's involved, really, whether you're a sole trader, whether you're in a partnership with other people or whether you own shares in a limited company that can all vary how your assets would be passed on or what your family would be entitled to get out of of your business. But more than anything, it can impact on how your business runs on a day-to-day basis. If you're the sole shareholder and director, or if you're essentially a a sole operator of your business, if you're not there to make the key decisions, is anyone else going to be able to step into your shoes and, and run with it and safeguard the assets that you've built up within that company? So there's a lot of planning that can be done to make sure that those measures are in place so that the business isn't going to be adversely affected or suddenly stop trading in the event that you either die or you lose capacity to make decisions.
0: All of that sounds incredibly complicated. Is the process for putting a will together is is it is the idea that it is so complicated something that people give you as a reason why they've not got to doing a will before
1: yeah absolutely people look at the various things they have whether it's personal assets whether it's family background whether it's just the ins and outs of their company how it works and and what they would need to do with it and it becomes a lot to think about and if you were to try and deal with it all in one go then yes it would be a big job to to face But really, my role in that process is working with the business owners and breaking it down as to the things that we do need to concentrate on. There might be some issues that actually look like they're going to be a big problem. But we know of ways of of managing that situation or putting fairly straightforward planning in place to mitigate those kind of risks. One of the big issues is really looking at, as we've just said, how the business is structured And knowing what you're actually entitled to pass on, whether it's shares or whether there's a mechanism in the company so that someone else would buy your shares or the company might absorb them. And that's a case of really checking the articles uh, and the the company's own documents and its rules to see what you've got set up. That's not something the business owner necessarily has to look at themselves. It's the kind of thing that we can report back to them and say, if something were to happen to you or one of your co-shareholders, this is where you'd stand. And then we can put the measures in place to plan around that.
0: What would you say to young business owners that maybe say, I'm only 28, why do I need to have a will?
1: So that's a really good question. It's something that everyone should do. As soon as they've got some assets that are worth passing on, it's worth making a will. So even if you your business is in a fledgling stage and it doesn't have a massive amount of value or you've bought your first house, but realistically you've only got the equity that you've put into it, you've not really made a dent in terms of the mortgage yet. It's still worth having a will in place because it means that you've you can control who will inherit rather than letting the law decide who's going to get the assets if anything happened to you so there are default provisions within the law which depending on your personal circumstances will pass it to the relatives who are closest to you by relation but they're not necessarily the people that you would want the assets to go to even if we're talking about a fairly modest amount of money if you're in a, a relationship with a partner you might not be married yet or even if you have um other members of the family, siblings or cousins that you would like to get your assets because your parents don't need them, then making a will to pass them on that way means that you've controlled it. You've decided who gets assets in the event of your death rather than just leaving it to chance.
0: You've mentioned a number of times the legal structure of the business can make a difference when it comes to planning. I believe you went through some of the categories as well, but could you give me a little bit more information on sort of the impact of different business structures?
1: So business structures would generally fall into three categories. We'd have a company, we'd have a partnership, or you'd have a sole trader business. A sole trader business is a person who owns the assets of the business and is personally responsible for its liabilities. With no legal structure around it, it's just that person offering the service they provide. Although they can have employees and the same complexity as other business structures. And it's very much a personal business, so it doesn't have the same protections for ownership or or limitations of liability that a, a company would certainly offer and to a degree a partnership can. So a sole trader, all of the business assets are their personal assets and full under the terms of their estate. Same with the liabilities. If they owe debts to suppliers or to for tax or any other reason, those are all payable out of their general sole assets. If they've gone down the route of creating a more formal structure, then they're likely to have a company or a partnership. If the person is operating the business on their own, then they won't be in partnership with anyone else. So a company structure would be right for them. This isn't really the The podcast to get into the finer details of the benefits of companies but if you own shares in the company you don't own the underlying assets you own the shares themselves which can be passed on depending on the way the company's documents are set up so the company has its own set of rules which might be a standard template that's come with the company when it's been created or it might be a bespoke set of rules that's been created for your own company depending on its specific needs and those rules are the things that govern what the executives of your estate are allowed to do with the shares so if the company rules allow the shares could be passed on to beneficiaries so that they then become the shareholders in the company if the shares have to be offered to other shareholders first there might be preemption rights which set out a mechanism that they have to be offered to the other shareholders if after a certain amount of time other shareholders choose not to buy them then they might be able to be passed on or another variation on that is that if the people who have preemption rights don't decide to buy the shares the company might then buy the shares back itself in either of those cases then your beneficiaries would receive cash out of the business they wouldn't directly step in as shareholders in their own right so that's a discussion for the shareholders within a company to have between themselves and decide what's going to happen. If you've got a family business, you might be perfectly happy that the next generation can become shareholders and they become involved in the business. But if, for example, you've got two or three people who are friends who've set up a company together, or they've done it purely for investment purposes, if one of them was to die, and all of a sudden their spouse or children or other family members inherit those shares and step in as shareholders, That might change the dynamics within the company and the direction that everyone wants to take it in going forward. So it's important for each individual company to have a think about how they want to deal with the death of a shareholder and what powers that shareholder has to either pass on the shares or to pass on the value of those shares. It's also significant from the point of view of inheritance tax, because if a business can benefit from inheritance tax relief uh, in certain circumstances, which might mean that the value of the business, whatever its legal structure, is free of inheritance tax. So it's important to make sure that you know how it's owned and, and what structuring you've got in place to be able to explain that to HMRC. Just going back to partnerships, the third form of structure that we've mentioned under a partnership, it would Have normally have a partnership agreement to say how each partner would exit from the business either in lifetime or in the event of death and the partnership agreement should set out the rules again saying what that partner will receive and again those individual partnership documents need to be looked at to understand what assets can be passed on or more likely what value the partner is going to receive when they exit the business.
0: You mentioned tax, which is everybody's favourite topic, and whether it's business tax or any other kind of tax. I was just wondering what sort of tax implications a will can have outside of the inheritance ones that you mentioned. Is Is there anything else that business owners should be aware of when it comes to tax implications?
1: In terms of will planning, inheritance tax is the biggest issue and making sure that we are making gifts in the will, which will preserve the inheritance tax relief wherever possible. In general terms, there can be other tax exemptions which are available, such as entrepreneur's relief if the person's disposing of the asset of the the company or business during lifetime. Um, That can be relevant in terms of lifetime planning, but in terms of will planning, it tends to be inheritance tax. The biggest risk with that is that if you have a business owner and they're leaving the majority of their estate to a surviving spouse, either as a direct gift or in trust for the surviving spouse. That's free of tax because of spouse exemption. So if you've got business property relief, meaning that you're not going to pay inheritance tax on the value of your business, and you've also got spouse exemption, you're only going to be able to use one of those. You can't exempt the same thing twice. So spouse exemption takes priority. And it would mean that effectively you've not made use of that business property relief that you've built up through owning the business. So we can look at how to structure the gift of the business assets and perhaps give the business assets to children or grandchildren or wider family members who wouldn't receive any favourable inheritance tax treatment through another type of exemption. So we can use that kind of structuring to make sure potentially working with the business owners accountants to make sure all of the right structuring is in place and that the company will meet the qualifying criteria to get that level of relief.
0: You mentioned a lot of things that hopefully would change a business owner's mind in terms of you know planning for the future and getting a will sorted. Would you be able to just speak very briefly on the process that you go through with clients? Thinking about death obviously isn't always a nice conversation. So how does the process work with you and your team?
1: So our process begins by starting to get to know the person and their assets and their background and their concerns. Normally we'll have a meeting with them either face to face or video conferencing if if necessary. And before that, if they are able to, it's helpful if they can put together some thoughts or some information about the assets that they have. Sometimes Their accountant or financial advisor will be able to provide a nice little breakdown showing exactly what they're worth and where it is. Other times, we just have a conversation to work out that information. But that's a really good starting point because it means we know what assets there are, how they're held, how they're set up. We can get details of companies from the company's house registrars if we need to uh, or land registry details. So we know exactly what they have and how it can be passed on then the question becomes, who do you want to pass it on to? And we'll have a talk about their priorities, what kind of provision they want to make for the significant people in their life, and balance that against the the knowledge that we have about their assets and the tax position and how that might be affected. Once we've had that conversation, we will then prepare a draft will for them. And wills tend to be a little bit formal and structured. So, We'll also provide a more informally worded plain English summary going through clause by clause saying exactly what this bit of the will is doing, why it's doing it and what it's seeking to achieve. So that when you read the two together you can see the formal structure of the will but also you've got that guidance and reassurance in the background. Obviously if there are any changes or if there's any bits that people want to clarify then we have another conversation and we work together until the person that's making the will is satisfied that they understand it and they're happy that it's doing what they want it to do. And then at that point we arrange for it to be signed. And once it's been signed, it can then be put in storage and I would say forgotten about, but I don't want people to forget about their wills. It's put in storage until it's needed, but it should then be reviewed on a regular basis, um, either formally as a a proper sit down and repeating that discussion. um, But, building on the fact that we've already made a will once, so it's it's a re- refresh rather than a start again. Or for the people just to keep an eye on the wills themselves. Have there been any significant changes in the business, significant changes in the family? Have they read an article in the press or seen something online that makes them think, is that going to affect my inheritance tax position? The annual budget, um, if they make any changes to inheritance tax then, or if there's any general political discussion about tax or, or post-death planning those can all be triggers that make people think oh i need to get my will up to date again
0: well that was very helpful and i'm hoping that we've been able to give business owners a bit more of a, a positive thought process on planning for the future before i say thank you and we sort of sign off on this podcast is there anything any little bits that you'd like to share with the Business owners, whether it's a bit of peace of mind or just any tips that you think would be great moving forward.
1: Well, one thing that I'd just draw their attention to we've spent the time today talking about what would happen to the business if they were to die. It's also worth thinking about what would happen if you are alive but you can't make decisions for yourself, and that's going to be a future podcast, because it's quite a wide ranging discussion as to what happens and protections that you can put in place. But a lasting power of attorney specifically tailored to the business can be well worth the time of of taking to plan and put those measures in place. So that if you can't make decisions for yourself, someone else can step in and deal with your business and more broadly your financial affairs if if you're not able to make decisions.
0: Yes, that will definitely be a podcast for the future. So if you have questions about that, please uh, stay tuned and we'll speak to Chris again on lasting powers of attorney. But for today, I believe we've looked at all all the different things we were going to focus on. So all I have to do is say thank you to Chris. It's been a pleasure to talk through these things with you and I hope you have a great rest of your day
1: say well, same to you, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me about all of this.